Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one comedy podcast in the world. Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with real raw dog talk. For 2020's best small medium. That's gonna be included every time now, huh? Small medium every enterprise. Time? Yeah, just like the last 30 episodes. Uh, I know, I was hoping it would go away. We're the winner of uh, the 2020's best small medium enterprise business advisory podcast in the United States. Listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. This episode of Sweat Equity with our guest Josh Sheridan, a real cerebral thinking attorney of the Barely Legal podcast that has nothing to do with legal anymore. Mm-hmm. Mostly music. Sounds like it's about 18-year-old girls getting naked, but it's not. It's a pun. Yo. Barely Legal podcast, get it? I'm He's barely sorry. legal. This episode's sponsored by ExpressVPN. Try expressvpn.com forward slash sweat. Get you three months free off an annual plan. A virtual private network, a cloud computer in the sky. Don't get tracked by big data, by by all these social media advertising companies, MarTech 5000, all that stuff. ExpressVPN helps you camouflage that code. Get a different IP from any other country. There's like 40 other countries on there. Try expressvpn.com forward slash sweat. Get you three months free. Anonymize your web searching. Don't get tracked by big data or people like us because we know how to do that shit. Try expressvpn.com forward slash sweat. Three months free off an annual plan. Let's get it twisted. Howdy, daddy. about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. And also on on uh, on brand, a huge uh, thunder clap just uh, yep. went by. Um, you know, lightning capital of the world. For people that don't don't know that, that's uh, that's our cool identity. You know, your city doesn't have an identity when that's your identity. Um, so you're laughing yourself. <laughs> yeah, like we look, we don't have a space needle. We have the longest unbroken sidewalk in the world. That's pretty cool. That's not that's that a, great. That's cool. A cool. I can rollerblade backwards all the way on. Yes. Backwards state, guys. That's a challenge. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, between that and like, uh, I, I grew up in St. Pete and so like, uh, Who's uh, on the Jack Kerouac had his house over there, and uh, Jim Morrison went to St. Pete High, and Angela Bassett, Angela Bassett, Bobby Joe Long, Eileen okay. Eileen Mornos. We have Eileen Mornos. <laughs> threw that in real quick. One of my there, well, we one of my it. good friends uh, was the attorney for both Bar- Bobby Joe Long and Eileen Mornos, who were two of the biggest serial killers on the on the bench. So, Whoa. wow, yeah, mm. what Delman Young. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Dukes, I'm grasping at straws. Uh, what? So we we met uh, a while back through your cousin and my one of my best friends from college, uh, Katie. And right next door, we used to share uh, a wall for a townhome in Col- in Ross Park in Auburn. And then I'd see her roommate uh, kick, or I'd see her roommate in uh, Ronnie Brown talking uh-huh. in the. <laughs> at like 3 a.m. and I'm like, oh man, he's he's plowing Katie's friend or roommate. She couldn't nice. get Cadillac, huh? Yeah. Well, right. you know, 
He may have been hitting the other roommate. Uh, okay. But uh, we met a while back. You're a funny dude. I remember uh, talking to you. Um, and then I think you were working for a firm. Now you have your own, correct? I've never worked for another firm. The only other place I've worked is I was a prosecutor over in Pinellas County for three years. And so when I left there, I went out on my own. And I've at various points had different partnerships. But um, after I left the state, I hung my own shingle and haven't looked back. So tell us about that entrepreneurial route, because that is, uh, I find the law, the small law firm kind of fascinating. And the fact that most attorneys sometimes can't grasp with the business side of everything. Uh, Did did you go solo first and then get a partnership? I did. And I had no business doing it. There's no good argument for what I did. There was no real... (laughs) know intention behind it it was kind of a blind leap and I even did it the same within a few months of getting married and moving out of the house that I was in so I kind of just that's not figured stressful. I'd do it all once. and uh I mean it's it's not been easy but if you've got the fortitude to just kind of not quit at some point when you look back you can see progress was made even if it doesn't feel like you're making it at the time so um yeah, you know, that, been up. I mean, that's what they say about Pete Holmes says about stand up. It's like, in, it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. It's, it's like when you first start doing stand up, you have to be have a little delusions of grandeur because you're terrible, mm-hmm. but you're like, I'm, this is getting better. I'm getting better. Right. <laughs> These open mic crowds are, you know, they're no, you're right. feel me the out. Same thing. And it's the same thing when you're doing, when you, you take that leap of faith uh, to do your own thing, you have to kind of know, you have to be confident in what your skills are. Or at least like in yourself. Well, it's funny. You mentioned Pete Holmes. Um, I have two comedians that I have uh, taken life advice from, not directly, but actually hearing them on podcasts. And you're going to laugh at the two of them. One is Sarah Silverman, which no problem there. But the other one was Louis C.K. Um, and obviously. <laughs> his, I'll take advice from him. He's my favorite. Well, he took, his, yeah, he took a different path. Not but he's everything, but. Yeah. Well, he would talk about, you don't have to be amazing. You just have to be better than, you know, the, the lower half of the next guys in line and and just kind of keep at it. And after a period of time, kind of the people who don't hang in there fall off and that's where your longevity comes. I think he said it much more eloquently than that, but it was something along those lines. And then, uh, Sarah Silverman said, you, we look at our future through a pinprick, you know, we only see a very small percentage of what, what the future holds for us. So don't get too up or down based on what you can see. Cause there's so many more surprises out there for you. So, I mean, I would have never guessed in 2005 when I left the state that I would have 13 people here that I'd have seven attorneys that we would be taking cases all throughout the state. I mean, it's a, it's a modest achievement in the world of attorneys, but it's definitely a big leap from where I was 16 years ago. Yeah. And that look, there's no better, like when I, I and we started talking, uh, DM each other. Cause I saw your post talking about, you know, this growth you're having with your law firm. And I was like, that's great. That's, that's always a good thing. It's good that you're sharing that stuff and, and kind of proud of it. And there's no better, like appreciation day when you get to like these certain levels. Like I think you hired a few attorneys in one fell swoop. How did uh, COVID affect y'all's firm? 
How'd, well, it's, how'd you get out of Can that? we curse on this show or, or is it clean? Are you serious? Please do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it scared the shit out of me originally. Like I didn't know what was happening and, you know, all of, you know, the accountants and financial bladders were talking to us about the payroll protection and you got to do this. And if you're going to have these slow months and, you know, I, I don't, I don't say this um, with joy, but it, it probably wouldn't surprise you to learn that COVID uh, increased the volume of family law cases out there. Um, so either between people having to spend all day, every day in their house with each other, or maybe families who were living in two different states, not wanting to send their children on a plane to another state because of COVID. Um, there were all these new issues in family law that hadn't been foreseen before or hadn't come up before. So luckily our phone was ringing off the hook. Obviously I, I don't want people to have acrimony in their, in their family life, but from a service provider perspective, COVID was one of the best things that ever happened to us on a business level. So you had probably that, I mean, look, I got, I technically was divorced in the COVID era. Eric's uh, going through it. Yeah. Um, and you know, most of the glutter sure didn't help, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, mine, mine was a dark comedy cause I moved in with my ex cause I was in a high rise in downtown to watch the kids when we were like, well, this is the smarter move. And then I found myself getting yelled at for like not washing the dishes or something. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, right. I don't need to be here. I can, I don't care about them going in hallways. I already put masks on them, you know? Um, and so, no comment. <laughs> but it, look, it's over now. I mean, but no biggie. Uh, but it's one of those things where it was like that, that is like, I, I was put in that position of a lot of friends I knew that were going through, uh, pre-separation because they, they hadn't spent that much time around each other. Yet another, yet another Louis CK ism, as he said, no good marriages end in divorce. So I think there were a lot of people who were on the precipice of doing it and that just kind of sped things up for them. Uh, so there was that. And, you know, and then it, Rick Scott and now DeSantis, they're, they're always, playing with getting rid of permanent alimony, which when that happens, there's going to be another floodgate opening of people coming back in to try and get their alimony terminated or at least made finite. What, what do you mean? Like an example, like I, I means like for the rest of your life, you get alimony, like per, so people get alimony Florida, like perpetuity, if, like just forever. If you're married for 17 years in Florida, depending on some other factors under the statute, the court can order permanent periodic alimony, which, is spousal maintenance for the rest of the life of the receiving spouse or of the paying spouse, depending on whether or not there's a life insurance policy. But one of the problems that was happening a lot is people are getting married pretty young. Say they get married at 19 or 20 and they're married for 17 years at 37 being saddled with a permanent alimony payment. You have the potential for paying alimony twice as long as you were married. And so that's not necessarily equitable either because a 37 year old spouse can probably still go out, build a career and make some money and to be supported for the rest of their life, you know, and those situations can be an issue. So they keep sending bills up to try and get rid of permanent alimony, but it always gets kind of stuck. One of the big things is whether or not people who are 
receiving it now or grandfathered in or not, whether or not you can go back and retroactively do away with it. Because I mean, if you look at it, so let's say there's an 82 year old spouse receiving alimony, <laughs> you cut that payment off now, what's she going to do? Go, what's that? Deadbeat. Well, yeah. No. Get a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> CVS or Walmart greeter. Come on. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know that <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it. We're both 37 uh, age yeah. 37. So you, you nailed it, like, like the example right in our head. But my, my thing was like uh, my attorney who was a, a client of mine when I had my agency and I helped him kind of build out the practice area of doing family law. He had been doing it a little bit, but not really marketing it. He was trying to get collaborative divorce going kind of stuff uh, and was doing mine. And I think it bummed him out so much that I don't think he does family law anymore. How do you Good do for you? How do you deal with the emotional part of it? Uh, because it, it it's, are you just a stone, stone cold, like right. no country for old men with a, <laughs> with a fucking cattle prod shooter? Uh, well, I, I, I maxed out the allowable Prozac dosage I can take. Oh, okay. All right. Drugs. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, I see a therapist every week and she's been awesome. Uh, I'm probably 60 to 70 pounds overweight. (laughs) Uh, you know, I had a bad habit of finishing off a bottle of wine all last year that I stopped doing. Attorney Uh, that drinks. I know. I know. Uh, it it goes through stages, but I deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I just, bury it deep down <laughs> in unhealthy ways. But uh, I mean, the podcast helps music helps um, playing with my kids helps, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've really started to enjoy the business side of it more. I'm really trying with bringing on all these people trying to, I've got this, I've got this whole theory about money balling a law firm and, and breaking it down into now you've got our attention. Almost, <laughs> yeah. Almost kind of, uh, you know, they have those pictures that you look at on the wall and they're all the dots. And then all of a sudden it's a sailboat or whatever, or a Russell Crowe and a beautiful mind, all the numbers floating around. Like I've started to really try and break down the practice of it and say, you know, how many cases does it take to hit this number? What's the average amount of fees generated on a case? What are the parts of a case that generate the most fees? Yep. Um, how many, how many cases do I need per attorney? How many, paralegals do I need per attorney? Uh, what's my ad spend based on this amount of revenue? I'm, I think I'm getting a chub. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Where are these red pants? Out? Sabermetrics. Right. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's the, do you know, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. that was, that was before the housing market took a shit, but his whole thing was passive income based on rental houses and properties and making and in much the same way, billable staff are rental properties for attorneys. Every any billable person that I hire should be a profit generator for me and not Correct. a cost. Correct. So I'm I'm enjoying that part of this more and wanting to more and more turn my attention to that and create the funnel, optimize the funnel, and then have the people on hand to be able to handle it. Because I consider myself a trial attorney. I enjoy being in trial, but I'm not a I'm not a book attorney. I'm not an academic, like I can't rattle off case law. I can go in and, you know, make a persuasive argument, but I always joke that I hate case law because it usually goes against whatever I'm trying to convince the court of. So um, I think there's better people to be 
the practitioners for my clients and let me kind of get the business running the way it needs to. Well, I mean, look, the speech I used to give all my uh, small law firm clients was like, you're, biz- you're the business person first, you're the lawyer second. And a lot of them couldn't handle that. And I was like, this is why you hired me. So I, I tell you this because no one else is going to tell you that. It's not just lawyers, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's every, every professional service industry is like that. But attorneys- My wife's family are all orthodontists and dentists, and they're, mm-hmm. they, they're lucky that, number one, they're not saturated to the degree that attorneys are, and number two, the fees that they can charge for their services. And with hygienists and everything else, again, this Kiyosaki thing of staff that you're making profits off of. But, yeah, no, attorneys are awful business people. And I'm, I've, I'm only after doing this 20 years starting to finally kind of understand just the, the peripheral edges of it. But I think law schools do the biggest disservice to law students because they, what they teach them is so. They're not, it's not, all those I graduate mean, schools are the same way. You get like a day where somebody comes in in a suit and tries to explain a business to you. MBA is not going to do it for you either, really, honestly. I mean, you just have to Unless do it. you like grew up in a family that ran a business or you just have some weird talent for it or, or a voracious reader or consumer of Neil Patel and uh, who's the other guy that is always doing um, Eddie V or what's the guy's Gary name? Gary V. Gary V, yeah. Like, bro, 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 you need to maximize well, some your of that is just, Yeah, Perfectly I mean, then. some of that's kind of charlatan carpetbaggery uh, but we try to do the anti of that because this well sure but i just pragmatic. mean most attorneys can't get out of their own way they're so worried about their hearing tomorrow or they're so worried about their trial next month that they never take an hour to look at you know how much am i spending how much am i making am i is what i'm spending in line with what i'm making you know it's the e-myth that's that's yeah. the thing of not getting your you get the entrepreneur that gets in their own way you always have to calibrate yourself, know what you don't know, know where you need to work on stuff and figure out eventually, like, do I need to cut bait on me trying to figure this out? Or do I need to outsource, bring someone in, bring someone full time in to help me with this? That's the part where I think a lot of attorneys don't really assess really well. They're very good about doing it for other people, but not for themselves. Well, most of the time, they're the smartest people in the room are close to, you know, so like it's hard to like take that step back and understand they're not business minded. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because attorneys have the biggest chips on their shoulders, have the biggest egos. I mean, I don't like attorneys. I don't like judges. I will, I will, I you know, I don't hang out with attorneys. I pretty much dislike almost every judge that I'm in front of. And I think from a personality perspective, it's, it's like not a good look. I like attorneys because they got opinions. They don't. I mean, like. Even if they don't believe in them, uh, that's why I hang out with a lot of them. I, I don't know. I find it. You I, like that about somebody? Yeah. I, that'll I just don't argue like, for fun? No, but I like some. I don't like don't. it. I don't like people that limp into life. And so like sure, but there's a lot of people that are like, why do you even think about that? I'm like, I don't know. Like you don't have any nothing, no opinion on on how big daddy Donnie T is the best president we've ever had. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, just I don't know. Just. Just say you come across like a dick if you're going to take. I know. And what's I get, your what's your side? I'll take the opposite. And look, Let's talk about it. And look, I, I get called out for being a dick because I have that contrarian logic that a lot of attorneys have. That I'll, you'll see kind of both sides of an argument at the same time. And just because you might have ADHD and bored, or just because you're like, I've been thinking about this theory. Let me let me throw this out at you. Uh, almost all the time, all my attorney friends will at least throw something back. They'll at least play a game of 
mental tennis with you, but uh, I feel like there's a, a, a generation of punk, punk rocker kind of style uh, attorneys like like Josh here that that are not like a big. F- they don't love the. They don't get a boner out of the reverence of of it all. Like um, you don't want the leather couch with uh, you know the dark wood and you know. I'm just saying that if you have an opinion, that's fine. If it is the opposite, I'm saying if you're just bringing up the opposite just to be, a, you know, to have a conversation. No, that's, with yeah, you, that's, that's annoying. You're being a dick. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's annoying. That That's like shit you do when you're middle school and high school for sure. Yeah. Well, I think I think what it means to be an attorney has changed over the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, I think it used to be like what you're talking about where it was this hallowed, you know, achievement and it came with a lot of deference and respect, but, you know, I say all the time, if they let me be an attorney, I've got zero respect for anybody else. You know, if I was able to do it, then you shouldn't be too proud about it. So. Yeah. Well, what a weird backhanded compliment. (laughs) Well, I, I, I just, I, I, I just, you know, I, I've always, I always joke. I I can't tell if I'm the dumbest or the smartest person in the room at any given time. I, I never seem to be in harmony with the rest of the room. And I don't know if it's because I'm operating beneath or above or whatever. So do you really, do you really rank yourself? Like <laughs> I do. Do you really? Uh, hence the Prozac. Oh God. Yes. Really? Constantly. Yeah. Like I wish I did. How Asians wow. rank each other when All another right. Asian walks in the room. They're like, are they Vietnamese? They're lower than me. Yeah. That kind of shit. I worry about it a lot. And I don't know why. How are you ranking up this conversation between the three of us? <laughs> yeah. What's the power rankings? Yeah. Let's hear Your it. Beard's number you're one. You're doing it. I know I'm, you're I'm, thinking I'm, about I'm it. I'm a distant then. fifth behind you two. <laughs> okay. Well, I think your humility may, will pro- probably makes you a lot better. If you could kind of hone that with the business side of everything, go, in, in a lot of people try to go, I need like, I need some advanced kind of whatever. I think the more I think about entrepreneurship, like where you're at and uh, where I failed is like, I didn't calibrate myself. I let my own shit get in the way uh, personally. And like, I didn't really, I chased after bad, you know, bad clients that I shouldn't have. I should have just stuck to the script I knew that worked kind of thing. You're specifically talking about yourself. Well, for that scenario. Yeah. And what, well, I mean, but you're also, you're also not at the end of your book yet. No, I know. And it's yeah. interesting. You brought up the Sarah Silverman thing. Cause that's kind of how I think about it right now. Like um, right now I'm, I'm a corporate man. I'm working, I'm an intrapreneur, all that stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with it. I'm content with it right now. I think there's right now. Well, there's growth within that, the company I'm with to do a lot of stuff. Uh, and it's pretty much what I was doing before. My thing was, um, you know, was it my ego that wouldn't let it go? Or was it my ego that I didn't push hard enough to, to make it run when I knew I could have, there's a lot of things I'm going to question. And there's a lot of stuff I look at now going forward where I go, okay, I have to learn something from that whole experience, right? I Because I never want to get back to where I was. Do you still yeah. actually question that? You actually think about that? Like, did I do this right oh, or that sure, wrong? Oh, sure, sure. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, I, I don't have like, I don't have a I can't fail kind of thing, but I do have like, I could have handled this a lot of different ways. Sure, self-improvement, you know? all right. I, yeah. Only, I, only I, because I, I, would... I want the symptom to be, or I want the uh, the effect to be of those thoughts, ne- like 
why do we learn history so we never repeat it kind yeah, of thing. I gotcha. Yeah, well, my, my problem and, and what I worked on a lot with the therapist and what the Prozac helped me with was I would never be able to put that down. I would always carry that. And in the aggregate, as, as you start to think about not even actual failures, failures, but perceived failures, you know, as you build, stack those up and you can't put any of them down, it becomes this cross that you're carrying with you that if you don't figure out a way to deal with it can crush you. So uh, creating space in my bandwidth to just be okay with things and say, you know, I don't have to be the best at everything. I don't have to win at everything. I, every choice I make doesn't have to be the most prudent one. So I've, you know, I lost my dad in 2018. I lost my mom in 2019. And that's really where my anxiety and kind of depression came to a head. And then that, that got me from the therapy to the medicine. And, you know, it's, I, I have no background in comedy, but I'm a huge comedy fan. I've probably listened to every one of Mark Maron's podcasts. That was the reason I started my podcast and why the template is very much the same as his. And I remember so much in the early days, him talking to comedians who were afraid of taking medicine because they were worried it was going to dull their edge or they were going to lose their sense of humor or somehow they were going to be less, less yeah. than. Yeah. And so I worried about that with myself. You know, I appreciate my sense of humor. I appreciate my outlook. I appreciate my kind of, you mentioned anti-establishment way. And I was worried that I would become a zombie or a robot and it didn't happen. It just over time, all of a sudden I noticed when I woke up, I didn't feel like the weight of the world was on my chest and, and all these, you know, post post ops that I would did on decisions that I made went away. And I was like, fuck it. It's a new day. Yeah. Now, let's, let's Perfection's talk. the enemy of good and don't kick the shit out of yourself. There are two things I was thinking about throughout this whole interview. And, and also I, 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 it's funny. I, I know shit about sports, but I use tons of sports analogies professionally. And so you know, the, the concept of leaving it all on the field. If I felt like I put in a full day's work, I busted my ass, I did everything I could do that day, then it's a lot easier for me to take whatever the result is, whether or not it was a win or a loss. You know, I did everything I could do and it went the way that it went. Right. So. Right. Um, on the business side, uh, and we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. So I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'm going to go do your podcast tomorrow. Um, yeah. but, uh, we can probably help you with that, that money ball stuff. The, the real book you probably need to get to is the extra 2% about the Tampa Bay Rays where they say, okay. use money ball. So use the Sabre metrics, but managerial experience counts too. It's going to help your bottom line. Um, where, you know, you have a path for every employee you hired, right? Because the, you're going to lose them. And if you have turnover, you're not going to be successful. If you can get an extra 2% on your competition, that's how Wall Street does it. Um, and so, uh, but cost rate versus bill rate stuff, we can nerd out about all that stuff, uh, in person. Yeah. Or on your podcast. Hey, <laughs> give me, give me your dollar per hour. Give me this, yeah. <laughs> give me the hours. No, I want to I, I I I've got a whole list of questions for you tomorrow that have nothing oh. to do with any of that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Right. But I, but that's I have exhibits. I have, uh, expert witnesses. It's going to be ah. great. Oh man, sabotage. Well, I've already had an intervention. So, you know, I, I already know how to get out of that. But um, we ask everybody their first time on the pod. Uh, you know, um, if you could travel back in time to your third, what, what advice would you give your 13 year old self? 
you get in a Bill and Ted telephone booth and you can go to your 13 year old self. Grab it Not by the, the shirt. sound it makes, but probably just, probably just, uh, gonna be okay. You know, don't take, don't take it all so seriously. You know, I, I, I was a, I was a pretty heavy hearted kid. You know, my parents were alcoholics and Oof. great, great people, but you know, I was aware at a very young age of their demons that they were struggling with. And I think it, made me worry a lot about them. It made me worry a lot about myself. It made me worry a lot about my future. And so I, I, I think that set me up to be an anxious person for the greater part of my life. And I, I think if you try and do the right thing and just give it your all that, I mean, you can't control that tragedy. You know, there, I'm sure there's a lot of amazing people in the Surfside buildings in Miami that smashed but you know by and large everything's going to be okay on a broad enough spectrum so just don't don't fret too much yeah i mean that that kind of environment will set you up to be very anxious for sure uh -huh. um well it sounds like you're still working on that a little bit uh every day but man i can't i can't i i wish i got a point from prozac because i i that was a life changer for me i I will show that. I mean, I know it's not the same thing for every person, but that that was a turning a corner for me. I felt like limitless. Like once all that anxiety and depression went away, it kind of opened up my vision to see the whole field and kind of instead of worrying about all the shit, focus on, you know, what what was in front of me. Yeah, it's radio noise. You got it. You got yeah. rid of it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like when you rub your eyes and see those speckles everywhere just mm, kind of all the time that's not a but, great no, i was gonna say eric's gonna probably try to talk you into doing some dmt or something to really expand your mind get oh, you out sounds like you were talking probably about. need to talk, talk to me I, I did the whole uh transcendental meditation thing that uh that uh stern pushed so that was that was interesting this is a little different but... <laughs> <laughs> oh i know but i just mean i'm i'm not i'm not beyond right. other horizons yeah ayahuasca it's something I'll do later down the line. Not right now, but um, it's it's on the list. Once the kids are out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> but uh, it'll help me be a better dad, hopefully. I don't know. Um, well, right on, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, Barely Legal Podcast on Spotify. Apple Podcast. Appreciate it, Thank dude. you so much for having me on. It was an honor. Thanks, man. All right, you guys have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.